So today we're going to talk about free body diagrams. Last time we talked about Newton's laws. Right? Newton had three laws. What was Newton's first law? Okay, yeah. So if no force acts on an object, no net force, it'll stay at rest, or if it's moving, it'll keep moving with constant velocity. What about Newton's second law? F equals ma. Right? That's perhaps the most important thing that you're going to learn in the class. Or at least it's the thing that I want you to remember from this class. Uh, third law. What was Newton's third law? Right. So anytime one thing pushes on another thing, the other thing has to push back. Okay. With an equal and opposite force. So those were the laws. Today we're going to learn how to um, express forces that act on an object in a diagram. And this is really important because any problem we do that involves forces, we're going to start with what's called a free body diagram. And it's just a, uh, a way to represent what's going on on the object that we're interested in. And there are a few rules that we'll follow in setting up the diagram, and then some rules we'll use to take the diagram and turn it into some equations that we can solve to understand how things are going to move or what forces act on them if we know how the motion is expected to be. Okay, so before we do that, a couple <coughs> announcements. Monday we have our first exam. Um, you can bring a 3 by 5 inch note card. You can write on the front and back. Um, I'd encourage you to write down the main formulas that you've used in the homework so far. That would be the equations of motion. Those are the equations that relate x and t, v and t, x and v, for a given acceleration. Uh, things like f equals ma, Newton's three laws you might want to, if you don't, if you can't recall them, you might want to write them down. Um, the acceleration of something in circular motion is v squared over r, you're going to need to know that. Um, you write those basic equations, then you should be able to work from them and work out any of the problems that I'll ask on the, the exam. Okay, you don't need to know the law of sines, the law of cosines, trig, double identities, anything like that. You will be expected to know the basic trig formulas, relate angles in a right triangle to the different sides through the trig identities. So if you don't have those on the top of your head, you can draw a little diagram in your card to remind you of that. Um, just bring a calculator, your pencil, and be on time. And then if you get a chance this weekend, you might want to do the practice exam that's online. It's a pretty good representation of what you'll be doing on Monday. Any questions about the test? Okay, then uh, the other announcement is that the Physics Club co-sponsors a essay contest every fall, and there's a prize, cash prize, Typically, there's between 5 and 15 people who enter, so your odds of winning are, are pretty decent. And if you like to write, uh, I'd encourage you to do this. The topic is, was higher mathematics discovered or invented? Okay, so it's a three-page essay, not a whole lot. And this flyer will be posted outside of the physics club room um, around the corner. How many people have been to or looked in and seen the physics club room? There's a foosball table, a couch, a refrigerator. Um, worthwhile place to hang out if you're waiting for class to start or you're hanging around in the building. So um, check it out if you're interested in that. You can see me after class too. I can give you the details. 
It's up to you to de determine what higher mathematics means. And yeah, it's, it's open to your interpretation. Okay, um, so today's topic is free body diagrams. These are diagrams that we use that uh, describe all the forces that act on an object. That's important because Newton's second law tells us if we know all the forces that act on an object, we can add them up and get a net force. And the net force is mass times acceleration. Okay, so for all the problems we've done where we know the acceleration of an object and we can find out how it flies through the air, how fast it's going, where it lands, all those things, if we know what the net force is on the object, we'll then know the acceleration and be able to determine those things. Okay, so it's a sketch of an object being acted on by forces. We draw all external forces that act on the object. Describe that in more detail in a minute. And then we start with that diagram when we solve problems that involve forces. Okay, so here's a problem. Um, here's this guy, he's pulling a block up a ramp. Um, there's all sorts of questions you could ask about this or you might expect to see. Uh, like what's the minimum force necessary to drag this block up the ramp? Right, if he's not pulling hard enough, we might expect the block would slide down or would just stay stationary. If he pulls hard enough, we would expect it to go up. Okay, so if you have a problem like that, um, there's a lot of different things acting on this block. What are some of the forces acting on that block? Okay, gravity. Gravity acts on everything that's near the surface of the Earth. What else? Say gravity. Anything else? There's friction. Slide, or if he's trying to move it up, there's friction that's going to oppose that. There's a normal force. Normal force just means the force of some object pushing on it. Okay, so that's going to be, that's going to be, what causes it to want to slide down the ramp? Gravity. So gravity points down, and that has a component that points along the ramp. Okay, so we'll see that we can take, and once we draw the forces, we'll describe them in terms of the components and the directions that we're interested in. In this case, one of the directions would be along the ramp. Uh, there's one more really important force here. Austin? Yeah, it's the tension. It, it's labeled here as F, but it's the force that he's pulling on the rope with. Um, and usually when there's a force in a rope, we call it tension. The rope gets tense, we call it tension. And that's pulling up, and obviously without that force, the thing's not going to move up. Okay, so the basic method of solving a problem that involves forces is to identify the thing that we're interested in. In this problem, it's the block. The question is, how hard does he have to pull to get the block to slide up? So we're interested in the block. We don't care about the truck, we don't care about the guy, we care about the block. So we take and we draw just that block. And if the object is complex, if it's a person or an airplane or something, we usually just draw it as a simple little circle or square, simple little block. Um, so it's just sort of a cartoon of what's going on. We then Draw that block and make a free body diagram. That means draw all forces that act on that block. Okay, so in this example, we said there was gravity. Gravity is, uh, or this, we're drawing forces. Forces are vectors. So we draw them as arrows and we label them. So I'll call that the force of gravity, F sub G. 
And I draw it as much as I can acting on the location where the force acts. Gravity kind of acts all over the block, so we typically draw it from its center. We call that the center of mass, and we'll study that in chapter, uh, I think it's chapter 9. The other forces we talked about um, were the tension in the rope. Well, the rope is attached over here, so that's where I should draw that force from. And it's pointing sort of up and to the right. So I'll call that T for tension. You can call it whatever you want, but it makes sense to label it with something that has some sort of significance or meaning to it. We said there was a normal force. That was due to the, the ramp pushing on the block. So whenever two objects are in contact, they can push on each other. And the direction in which they push is always perpendicular to the surface. And in physics, we call that direct, we say it's normal to the surface. The word normal in physics means perpendicular. So a normal force is a force of one object pushing on another. And we usually label it N. Anytime you have an object sitting on a table or sitting on a ramp, you have a normal force. And it's perpendicular to the ramp there. And it turns out whenever you have two objects touching, you not only have them pushing on each other, but they can rub as they slide past each other, and that produces friction. And so the friction acts along the surface that's in contact, and we'll call that the force of friction, S sub S. F sub G is pointing down, that's gravity, the force of gravity. <coughs> Katika? Because they're sliding past each other, there's friction. They call that the frictional force. Uh, friction always opposes motion. So if the block wants to slide, is, if it's actually sliding to the right, then friction must be opposing that, that motion and pointing to the left. Um, let's see, some other forces. Newton's third law tells me that if the ramp is pushing on the block, what is the block doing to the ramp? Pushes on it, okay? So maybe I'll draw force of the block pushing on the ramp. Should I do that? The answer is no. Why not? We're not interested in the ramp, and that's a force that acts on the ramp. It may be due to the block, but it's not acting on the block. Okay, so I'm not going to draw that. The only things from the outside world that act on my block, and that's it. Okay, I don't draw any other things on this diagram. I don't draw velocity or acceleration. I only draw forces. And now I've got a bunch of vectors that I can add up to get a net force. Okay, so before I do that, I'm going to um, redraw my diagram, and I'm going to draw these forces as components of the vectors that act in the directions that I'm interested in. Okay, so 
in this problem, what direction am I interested in? What direction is the block moving? It's, it's up the ramp, okay? And that's, that's at a 20 degree angle with respect to the ground. Okay, so what, I, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make a coordinate system where I'm gonna call up the ramp x and I'm gonna call y then perpendicular to the ramp. And that coordinate system is, is tilted, so it's lined up with the ramp. And that's convenient because then the motion is in the x direction and the problem is, is uh, defined in terms of its natural coordinate basis. And what I wanna do is I wanna take each one of these forces, I guess there's one, two, three, four forces, and instead of just drawing the vectors, I wanna draw the x and y components of those. Okay, so the normal force, for instance, is easy. What direction does the normal force point? Which is long y. Right, so I don't have to do anything special with that. What about friction? Pointing in the minus x direction. What about gravity? It's not the negative y direction. We've been doing lots of problems up until this point where gravity points in the minus y direction because we've always been defining y as, as straight up. But y is, in this problem, is not straight up. It's at an angle. So this force has some component that's, let's see if I can, let me use colored chalk here. I can draw a component that's pointing in the minus y direction and a component that's pointing in the minus x direction. So this is the y component of gravity, and this is the x component of gravity. And I realize you probably can't see that blue chalk, so I'll draw these components over here. You can see it a little better, let me outline that. Okay, so I can do a little bit better than just drawing these components. I can actually figure out how big they are. Okay, because what do I know about that angle? Okay, that angle is 20 degrees in this problem. Let's see if I can couple ways to convince you of that. One is to prove it. Sometimes that's convincing, sometimes it's not. So if this is a vertical line and this is a horizontal line, the ramp is inclined at 20 degrees. We're told that in the problem. Okay, so this angle is 90 degrees. This angle then has to be 70, right? And then, let's see, this angle right here is 90, and this angle is, yeah, is uh, 110. That makes this angle here 70, and this angle 20. So. 
you can kind of work your way through. If this reminds you of 10th grade math, uh, yeah, it pretty much is. Um, you'll do enough of these problems, you'll start to be able to make that connection without going through the full proof. Um, what we can say without going through the full derivation is that um, this angle here depends on this angle. If the ramp were flat, then the force of gravity would be pointing in the, if, if the ramp were flat, our coordinate system wouldn't be tilted. Right? And gravity would be pointing in the minus y direction. And the more we tilt our coordinate system, the bigger the angle between y and the vertical. And that's what this is. This is, this angle is the angle between uh, the y direction and the vertical. Okay, so it makes sense that the amount that we tilt the ramp is equal to the, that angle. Okay, so if I know that angle, then I can say something about the magnitude of these components. So f of y, fg cosine 20, right? And f of x is f of g sine 20. So I'll go ahead and I'll label them that way on this diagram. And then I have one more force, that's tension. What's the angle between tension and the horizontal? <laughs> tension is 30 degrees above x and it's 50 degrees above the horizontal. So that's okay, let me just say it's 30 degrees. Here's x. If that's 30 degrees, right, then the component of the tension along x, t sub x, is t cosine 30. The component along y is t sine 30. And those components I want to draw over here. So I can check that every force that I drew on this diagram is drawn over here in terms of its components. I had friction, normal, tension, and gravity. Friction, normal, tension, and gravity. They're all drawn. And usually getting to this point is the hardest part in problems involving forces. Just visualizing what's going on labeling all the forces, making sure that you've got all of them and you've got them all uh, drawn correctly. If you can do that, then if we look at the rest of these problem solving steps, we're going to add up all the forces in X. That'll get us the net force along X. We'll add up all the forces in Y. That gives us the net force along Y so that we can figure out the acceleration along X, the acceleration along Y. Okay, well, adding up the forces along X is just a matter of this one points positive, these two point negative. We have this minus this minus this, right? Similarly in Y. And then we'll use F equals MA, Newton's second law. We'll do it twice, once in the X direction, once in the Y direction. And we'll come up with a couple equations that we can use to solve for whatever it is we're interested in. Okay, and if we're able to get a solution for what we're trying to find in the problem, that's the end of this, this problem solving. If we haven't, we might need to repeat this with another object. Okay, and I'll, I'll show you an example of when we'll need to do that in a minute. So let's go ahead and continue on step three. Add up all forces in X. Okay, so we call that the sum of the forces 
in x. And in this example, that's t cosine 30. That's the force that points in the positive x direction. And you've got two forces that are pointing back. So those will be negative. So minus the force of gravity times sine of 20 degrees minus the force of friction. And we'll do the same thing for y. In y, we have a normal force pointing up, a component of the tension pointing up, and we've got a component of the weight pointing down. done step three. I've added up all the forces in x and in y, and that means I can now apply Newton's second law. That's step four. So Newton's second law says the net force, well that's what I just calculated. I calculated the net force along x and the net force along y, so I can set those equal to mass times acceleration in x and mass times acceleration in y. And at this point, I can look at my two formulas here, or two equations. And I can see if there's anything in there that I either know from the problem or that, I'm, that I can constrain. In this case, there are. Um, what should be the, be the acceleration of the block in the y direction? Is the block moving in the y direction? Okay. What is the y direction? It's, it's, it's not quite up and down. It's, it's perpendicular to the ramp. Okay, or it's, it's off the ramp. If it, if it moves in the y direction, that means it lifts up off the ramp or it buries down into the ramp. Is that, gonna, is that what we expect to happen? No, we expect it to slide along the ramp. So we don't expect there to be motion in the y direction. And so that tells me that the acceleration along y should be zero. Okay, what about the acceleration? Chris, do you have a question? Y is not up. We drew our coordinate system tilted at 20 degrees. Okay, Up is like this, y is like that. Okay, So don't think in terms of up and to the right, think in terms of x and y. It's moving along x, but it's not moving along y. What about the acceleration along x? If he's going to, we want to figure out how hard he is to pull in order to get it to go up the ramp. Okay, well, if he doesn't pull at all, what do you expect would happen to this block? It might slide down. Okay, if it's sliding down, what is its acceleration along x? 
it's negative. It would, starting from rest, it would start to move along negative x. Okay, what if its acceleration were zero? What would it do? It would just stay there, right? And so in order to get it to go up, he needs to pull hard enough that the acceleration is greater than zero. It doesn't matter how much greater. If it's a little bit greater than zero, it just starts to go and very slowly speeds up, eventually goes up the ramp. If the acceleration is really large, it'll go up the ramp faster, but the, the minimum force he needs to apply to get the block to slide up is that with which the acceleration is just more than zero. Okay, so we'll solve for the case where the acceleration equals zero in the x direction. We'll say as long as he pulls harder than that, he can get the block to slide up the ramp. Okay, in reality, he doesn't even need to pull harder than that. As long as he gives it a tug to get it started, once it's moving up the ramp, if its acceleration is zero, it will keep moving up the ramp. Okay, so let's set this equal to zero. And that will give us the minimum tension necessary to pull this block up the ramp. So we can solve this expression right here. We can say t cosine of 30 degrees equals, and then I'll add both of these terms to the right. And then I'll divide both sides by cosine of 30 to get an expression for the tension. So that's the minimum tension, or I can say the, the tension needs to be greater than or equal to that in order to get the block to slide up the ramp. And later on, we'll talk about how friction is related to the normal force, and we'll learn some expressions that let us solve for the value of the frictional force using the second equation. Okay, we're not going to do that now. We're not going to worry about that now. I'm just going to accept that as my answer and use this as a way to demonstrate this problem-solving technique. It all starts with a free body diagram. Next week, we'll do lots of problems where we solve for how an object with forces on it behaves. Today, I want to focus just on drawing these diagrams. The biggest problem people have with force problems is that they don't draw the diagram correctly. If you don't draw the diagram correctly, the math that follows is irrelevant. So I want to focus on the diagrams today. Any questions yet? Okay, so here are my diagrams. This is what I just drew on the board. Um, let's do one more problem. This one is one-dimensional. So in a sense, it's a little simpler. We're going to apply the same problem-solving strategy. What force is required to lift a 200-pound weight on the end of this block and tackle? The block and tackle is a system of pulleys. 
Okay, so my first step, does anyone remember what the very first step is in one of these problems? So I have to sketch it, but what is it? Okay, I need to figure out what, I have to figure out what it is, what I'm interested in the motion of. Um, probably the block here. That's the thing that's going to be lifted up. Okay, and it's going to be, because the block is attached to the pulley, I'm actually going to draw the block and the pulley together as one object. Okay, and we'll see why in a minute. Well, let me explain why right now. We're trying to find the force that I have to pull on the rope with. So we have to figure out what the tension in the rope is. If I just draw the block, the rope, the rope does not pull on the block. Right? What pulls on the block? The hook. Right? So I can't just draw the block and figure out what the tension in the rope is because the rope doesn't pull on the block. The rope pulls on the pulley, the pulley pulls on the hook, the hook pulls on the block. So I could sort of go through, figure out how hard the hook needs to pull on the block, from that figure out how hard the pulley needs to pull on the hook, and from that figure out how hard the rope needs to pull on the pulley. Or, since the pulley, the hook, and the block are all moving together, I could just treat the whole thing as one object. And that's what I'm going to do. Okay, so here's my object sort of drew it so you can see there's a block down here and a pulley up here. I'm including all of that in my diagram. I can't include this pulley because this pulley doesn't move the same way that this one does. Right? This one's going to be stationary while this thing is going to go up and down. Okay, so I want to draw my free body diagram. What forces act on this weight? Gravity. How hard is gravity pulling on this particular weight? 200 pounds, okay, so a pound is a unit of force in the imperial system. A newton is our unit of force in the metric system. So I'll still call that force of gravity, and I happen to know that that's 200 pounds. If I wanted, I could convert that into newtons and get an answer in newtons. If I leave it in pounds, I'm going to get an answer that's in pounds. So I'll just leave it. What other forces act on this object? Tension. tension. Where does the tension act? In the rope. And where does the rope connect to the pulley? On the top. How many places does the rope connect to the pulley? Two. Okay. The rope pulls on the left side of the pulley and the rope pulls on the right side of the pulley. And it's pulling. It's pulling up on both sides. So I have the tension in the rope pointing up. Okay, so now's a good time to explain what a pulley does. A pulley makes the direction of a rope change. An ideal pulley is one that causes the direction of the rope to change, but doesn't change the tension in the rope. So whatever tension is in the rope over here, we have the same tension over there. Uh, okay, so if I pull in this direction, clearly that's going to pull up here. But wouldn't that pull down there? 
Why am I not drawing a force pulling down over here? Well, the block is going to go up, but I'm pulling this direction in the rope, so isn't that... What's that? It's connected right here, so as the rope pulls down on this hook, the hook pulls up on the rope. Right? And it turns out if you pull on a rope, we saw this last time with a demonstration we did with Chris and Logan. If you pull on a rope, it doesn't matter which side of the rope you're holding onto. If the rope gets tense, it's going to pull in every direction. It's going to pull on both ends of the rope. So over here, the rope is pulling down on the hook and pulling up on the pulley with the same force. Okay, so the tension is the same on both sides because this is an <coughs> ideal pulley. And that's it. There's no other forces that act on this, this block. Okay? This force does not act on the block. This force acts on the rope. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to find how much tension is in the rope. And that's how hard the rope is pulling on everything. And if I pull on the rope with force F, what does the rope have to do to me? It has to pull back with a force F. Well, the rope pulls with a tension, T. So evidently, this force that I pull with F is the same as this tension T. Okay, so if I solve for the tension, that's my answer. Well, how many times, if I'm pulling on this, how many times does a rope attach to my hand? Just once. Right? So it's, I only have to pull with whatever tension is in the rope. Okay, so I drew my diagram. Now I want to draw this in terms of its x and y components. Well, that's pretty easy because all the components happen to be pointing in the vertical up or down direction. Okay, So there's really nothing to do in terms of breaking this into x and y components. So now I'll say the sum of the forces in x is 0. There's no forces pointing in x, so that's kind of trivial. Some of the forces in Y have 2T pulling up. Minus FG. Okay. The next step, I set that equal to mass times acceleration. And I solve for the quantity of interest. I care about the tension. That's what I'm trying to find. So I will solve for the tension. Um, what's, what should the acceleration of the block be? Why zero? That's just enough tension so that it's not falling down. And if I provide just a little bit more than that, it'll actually go up. So the minimum amount of tension I need is that that keeps it from falling down. And that's where the acceleration is equal to zero. Okay, so I only have to pull with 100 pounds to lift up this block because of the pulleys. 
I pull on the rope once, the rope pulls on the block twice. So it's like multiplying my force by two. So that's why pulleys are used to make things easier to lift. Yes? No, they're not. We didn't put it in anywhere. Um, in this case, it doesn't matter. Right? We've got the string attached twice to the object, and it's pulling up, and that's independent of how wide it is. Um, the rate at which the wheels are spinning around on the inside depends on the radius of the pulleys. And we're not going to be concerned with that until we talk about moment of inertia. That's chapter, I believe that's chapter 9. Okay, so for right now, imagine the pulleys are perfect. The tension on both sides is the same, and in that case, it doesn't matter how, how large the pulley is. Okay, so... No, this is a force already. A force... Oh, wait. If you're given a mass, and you want to determine a force. You have to multiply the mass by an acceleration. Okay? If you want to find the gravitational force, you multiply mass by the gravitational acceleration. Okay? We weren't given a mass. We were given a force. So pounds is a unit of force. If we were given kilograms, that would be a unit of mass. Okay? That's a little confusing because um, we often talk about how much we weigh in terms of pounds, and we talk about it in terms of kilograms as well. Kilograms is a mass, pounds is a weight. Any questions how we did that? Okay, then we are going to do competitive physics. So here's the deal. Um, we're going to have a little free body drawing competition where the winners get extra credit. And here are the teams. They're based on the row you're sitting in. Okay, So you're going to get together with the people in your row and we're going to draw some free body diagrams. The way it's going to work, I'll start with a, a picture, and I'll describe what we were representing. And then we'll start with the first row. You guys have to come up and draw one force on that picture accurately. The next row has to draw the next force. The next row has to draw the next force. Right? If you draw a force that's incorrect, then you're out. Right? If you draw... If, if the diagram is complete and all the forces have been drawn, then you have to say it's done. Okay, if you try to add another force that doesn't exist, then you're out. Right? And we will keep going through this. Every time you're out, what happens is you just lose a point, just one point. At the end of the, at the, end of the round, we'll do this for several diagrams. The team with the fewest points, or the team with the fewest uh, incorrects will win and get a half a percent of extra credit. No, you're only gaining points. No, it's, it's extra credit. It's not... Okay, so you might... What I suggest you do is, as a group, when I put up a diagram, draw your full free body diagram, discuss it, and then we'll sort of uh, go rapid fire. We'll start with the person on the end. They'll come down, they'll draw a line. They'll have like 15 seconds to draw it. And then go back and sit on the other side of your aisle. And then the next time we come to your row, the next person is going to get up. But you can collaborate. You can draw the diagram first. You can decide um, 
what things you want to draw on it. The first, the first thing that we're going to draw is the diagram of a buggy. A couple things to note. This buggy has four wheels. Each of them is touching the ground. And it has two reins from the horses pulling on it. So yeah, it's sort of a 3D diagram. I think this is the only one that's sort of like that, where there's 3D. Um, OK, so just considering that, Take a minute or two to think of what the diagram should look like. Collaborate with the people in your row. You can ignore air resistance in all of these diagrams. Um, good question. Yeah, let's say it's moving. Which way is it moving? <laughs> to the right. We drew a bunch of free body diagrams. We could have done a few more, but we ran out of time. Um, that means team six, group six, you guys get a half a percent of extra credit. See me after class to let me know who you are so I can give you that. Oh, row four, two. Okay, you guys, you guys split it. You each get a quarter percent of extra credit. No, you, you will each get a half a percent of extra credit. Oh, row four. Okay, let's see. Row four, row five, row six, row seven screwed up there. I think that's right. Okay, so row four, five, and six. Come see me uh, right now, and I'll, I'll record your names and get you extra credit. <laughs>